We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Knicks Film School pregame show. My name is Andrew Claudio, a.k.a. GMAC, and it's time to preview the Knicks' upcoming matchup against the Los Angeles Clippers. A new look Los Angeles Clippers after the trade of former MVP James Harden. The debut of James Harden, of course, will be made at Madison Square Garden on Monday. And joining me in just a little bit to preview this game, a returning guest, Adam Osland of the Clips and Dip podcast. One of my favorite names for a podcast in this niche podcast, uh, basketball podcast world. Um, they do a great job over there. Uh, it was funny. The day that the Harden trade happened, I had five podcasts in the queue when I finally got done with all KFS work. And so I was going for a walk and I had uh, Zach Lowe in the queue. I had Bill Simmons and his reaction in the queue. I had the Hoop Collective, all the, all of our favorites here at the ringer at the ringer, excuse me, Freudian slip um, here at Nick's film school. Uh, and then I had my buddy Dan from Valley and then I had clips and dip. Oh, that's right. There's a sixth one, the rights to Ricky Sanchez. So I got both sides of the equation. Uh, and I, I got to say the reaction was outstanding. Um, I think you guys, if you want just like an extra pod to listen to, go check out their uh, reaction to the James Harden trade on the day that it happened, which would be last Tuesday. Um, but yeah, uh, Adam's a, a really good podcaster and it gives me a, about 45 minutes, plenty of Knicks talk as well. Uh, he has, uh, I think, invested in the James Harden experience and we'll see what happens with the Clippers when they play the Knicks on Monday. Um, before we get to that conversation, um, there is some Knicks and Clippers connections. Probably the biggest one being that sixth man of the year runner up, uh, but number one in our hearts, Emmanuel quickly is a New York Nick because they traded Marcus Morris to the Clippers. And uh, with that pick that they got back, the first round pick they got back from Marcus Morris, they used it. Uh, well, technically on Leandro Balmaro, but then they traded Leandro to uh, another team and got Emmanuel quickly with that pick. So trading Marcus Morris to the Clippers eventually led to the Knicks getting Emmanuel quickly is the biggest connection as well as, um, on the bench for the New York Knicks, their backup center, Isaiah Hartenstein, the most recent team he's played for outside of the New York Knicks is the Los Angeles Clippers. They signed him away this last offseason, so, or two offseasons ago. 
From what I remember, the Clippers missed him. Uh, now they're in the James Harden business. So PJ Tucker and, and Zubach are now their centers. Uh, so we'll see what this team looks like. Let's get into it. My conversation with Adam Oslin of Clips and Dip to help me preview Knicks versus Clippers. Enjoy. Adam, welcome back, sir. How you doing? Andrew, what's good? I'm good over here. Thanks for having me back on the show. I appreciate it. Uh, pleasure's all mine. And I, we should just kind of start there because a lot of these pregame pods I've done so far, the, the sample size being so small, it's so tough to talk about the net rating and any type of numbers you want to talk about. It's even more difficult when the team that's coming into Madison Square Garden did somewhat of a roster overhaul recently. So I don't really have any questions about how the Clippers <laughs> are playing or anything like that. But for anyone hiding under a rocker that just woke up from a coma, James Harden was traded through the Los Angeles Clippers last week, a trade that was rumored to be in the works, discussed throughout the offseason. I guess that's where, where I'll start. Um, how has this James Harden potentially being traded to the Sixers, excuse me, Sixers, to the Clippers saga been for you from start to finish? I mean, you get used to it after a while. There were so many close calls. It felt like this summer where, you know, it was about to happen. Mm. And then was it ever going to happen? How nasty would things get with him, the Philadelphia 76ers? Would the 76ers just move on from Daryl Morey and keep James Harden? I thought that was something that might have been on the table. I don't know. But it's good to have a little more certainty now this early in the season where the Clippers still have 77 games left to figure this out. Yeah, the, the never underestimate James Harden, I think. So when we did our over-unders for this season, uh, for like on our Patreon and our, our staff predictions, I think it was unanimous and under on Philly because never doubt James Harden. And who knows, maybe like addition by subtraction over there with the with the Sixers. They look really good uh, with Maxi taking a better, bigger role. Kelly Oubre might actually be a thing over there. But I think we all took the over with the Clippers. And I think my specific reason was, I think they're going to get James Harden. And the last time, I, I, I likened it a lot to the Nets trade when after that, he played like an MVP candidate for months. And um, I guess that that leads right into my next question. Like, what version of James Harden do you expect? Are you excited about this trade? I mean, I think the Nets version of James Harden is a decent comparison, given that he was next to KD and Kyrie. Now, I believe there are only a few dozen games where they actually played on the court with each <laughs> other. But to their credit, they look dominant in those games. I know the Clippers saw him twice when they were fully loaded, and it was scary. And James Harden was out there doing some of the little things along with just being more of a playmaker, setting the table, getting KD and Kyrie to their spots. And that's what's going to be asked of him a lot with the Clippers. Now, it came out earlier today on top of, I don't think it was the Empire State Building because it didn't look high enough because you could see other buildings <laughs> next to it still. But from some building, unknown building in New York earlier today, there was an interview with him and the media along with Coach Lou. And Coach Lou spoke to how he's going to use James Harden with Russell Westbrook out there on the court. Mm. And it looks like Russ in that scenario will be more of the prototypical traditional playmaking point guard. And James Harden will play off ball more, which is something he has done more the last two seasons going back to Brooklyn. And then even at times with Maxi handling the ball in Philadelphia where last season, James Harden shot 41% on catch and shoot threes. So I think there are parts of his game 
um, that we'll see emphasized and enhanced on this Clippers team because they'll just have to be because Kawhi and Paul George are your two main options. And Paul George has been unbelievable to start off this season. Yeah, I'm sure there's some uh, maybe sellers or buyers or more. Sure. I don't know what you want to call it. What's happening in New York watching Paul George be this good early on in the season. Has anybody mentioned how there was that trade possibility that was thrown around? Sources say. So it's less buyer's remorse because no one knows how serious any of that was this off season. I think if there was a move to be done this off season, I think the Knicks would have made it like whether it be Paul George, whether it be Ananobi, I think the Knicks were looking to upgrade. I just don't yeah. know in the world of Dame and his trade taking forever and Harden and his trade taking forever. If there ever was a realistic trade, I guess I'll follow up. Did did you foresee that that was like, was that discussed uh, in Clipperland that the Paul George to the Knicks could be a thing? I think everybody was just wondering, well, what's the centerpiece of that package then coming back mm-hmm. to the Clippers? If the Knicks are getting the best player there, are they giving up future first? And therefore, are the Clippers are in this slight rebuild or Kawhi plus role players like he was in Toronto, but who's going to be the Siakam then? You know, so I think it was a lot of uncertainty and maybe it never really went anywhere. Maybe it never was going anywhere. There were just reports that were out there, a mm-hmm. few of them. So it was discussed a little bit, but I don't know what the Knicks would have had to give close to equal value with just talent that would help the Clippers now, since they're obviously going for it with Kawhi Leonard. So they're obviously going for it with what they ended up trading for. <laughs> there was any question. Yeah. Um, I in Clipperland at the moment are is this looked at? Because he is technically only under contract for one year, as well as the two extension eligible guys in Kawhi and Paul George. Is this looked at like one year wait and see? Cause James Harden could go nuclear or like the a new buildings opening, some extensions could be underway. Like this is a, a at least a two to three year commitment that's about to happen. Well, I think there are options and it depends on how this season ends up unfolding. I expect James Harden to play well. I expect him to be on his best behavior. If you mm-hmm. are worried about things like that, I'm not. I think he wants to contend. He wants to be back home. And obviously, yes, he has a contract situation coming up. Not extension eligible. He will be an unrestricted free agent after this season, but the Clippers will have his bird rights. So they could sign him and go over the cap to retain him. Right. And then you would expect, yeah, if that was the situation, then they probably do it all at once with Kawhi, with Paul George, and who knows? They might get theirs during the season. Not interrupt you, but that's the, that's what I meant by extension eligible guys. Like with Paul George and Kawhi technically not extended yet is the thought that, okay, James Harden's here. They did the move that these two guys probably wanted. Now, this is the Clippers for the next couple of years. It's not just a one-year wait and see for everybody. This is The expectation is that it'll be a long-term thing? I think there's a good possibility that it's not, if they don't win it all this season, then blow it up, then let Kawhi and Paul George opt out and walk or something like that. And by the way, Coach Lou is also extension eligible. Mm. So it feels like a prove it type of year for a lot of guys in some ways. But I still think the point of this is to extend the primes and the window, the championship window around Kawhi and Paul George. Make life easier on them where they have less to do on offense and can focus in more on the defensive end where they still are your best two defenders. They just can't always expend 
expend as much energy because they're asked to do everything on offense. So you bring in James Harden, who can run the show at times. And on those nights where we know Kawhi and Paul George or one of them or both of them will be missing, you still have enough high-end talent to win during a regular season where the Clippers have 25 instances of three games in four nights. Mm. 75 of their 82 games come within those parameters. So my feeling this summer was... You kind of have to do it. I think the schedule alone forces you to have a major talent upgrade. And with James Harden, with Russell Westbrook, even on nights without Kawhi and Paul George, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be tough to beat. We'll see how long it takes for them to click in. And everybody's talking about how it's going to be a process, figuring this thing out. But I don't expect it to take too much time. The, the one thing I focus on, the common denominator for me, is having Coach Lou. For all the people that say, well, I don't know about this move with James Harden. Look at where he's been. This is his fourth stop the last 22 months now. How can you trust this guy? Well, for different reasons, things didn't work out the last two times around. In Brooklyn, it was Kyrie and injuries going on. They could never put it together for an extended amount of time. In Philly... I think it was concerns over him, obviously, at the front office, and it depends on who you want to believe there. Like, who do you trust in that situation? Something must have gone horribly wrong for the guy that James Harden was married to and turned him into a number one option in Daryl Morey, bringing him in from OKC to Houston, and then bringing him in from Brooklyn to Philly. Something must have gone uh, extraordinarily bad for them to have this level of falling out behind the scenes. So I just, I don't put too much stock into that. I'm not saying he doesn't have a track record, but people were saying the same stuff about Russell Westbrook last season when the Clippers brought him in and it's worked and it works because coach Lou puts guys in the right spots to succeed. And also Clipper nation has embraced him. The guys on his team knew he had plenty left in the tank. They were advocates for bringing in Russell Westbrook and they were advocates for bringing in James Harden and all these guys, by the way, again, are from SoCal. They want to be here. They want to do what no other team has done in Clippers history, which is win a championship. And what a special story that would be. A bunch of guys from Southern California getting together and win the Clippers franchise their first championship. That's that's poetic. Got to be honest. That, that, if it's be like a bunch of New Yorkers or guys from Brooklyn or all the boroughs getting together to win a title. Unfortunately, we'll settle for the conference finals at this point, the way Knicks game, the Knicks history has been lately. Um, so, let me, let's recap. There's three things I want to touch on from what you just said. First of all, I can empathize with the brutal schedule. Um, all six of the Knicks games so far have been three games and four nights, including two back-to-backs. Um, the second thing, the the lineup that you mentioned, and this will lead to a question, but the, the Paul George, Russ, Kawhi, and Russ lineups, which Lou, I guess the report from Shams today was that he's going to that's going to be a starting lineup. He's going to be those four. I assume it's also going to be his closing lineup. Um, mm. Which center or which fifth man, I should ask, are you most excited to pair with them? Because like we saw a version of this team uh, on our on our Patreon. We were reacting to the trade. And like that, that small ball Maury D'Antoni team where it was P.J. Tucker. Well, you could honestly, PJ Tucker could be one of the fifth guys. Um, but PJ Tucker, Trevor Reza, Eric Gordon, Russ, and Harden just replace those three with like Kawhi, Paul George, and Terrence Mann. And it's like the it's that version, but it's on steroids because you're putting two Hall of Famers and two All Stars out there. It, like, what lineups are you looking forward to most with these four now available to you? Well, I do think 
there are some problematic issues that could arise just having him and Russell Westbrook in the backcourt. Mm. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Coach Lou said, okay, in those situations, Russell will have the ball in his hands. Harden's much better off the ball than Russ is, so we'll play it like that. Now, it sounds like it's going to be the big four with Avisa Zubas to start things off. I don't know if that's going to be a closing lineup. Coach Lou will go to whoever is playing well and ride the hot hand next to 2-1-3. And I would imagine for switchability's sake, Terrence Mann, who's not healthy yet, won't be playing tomorrow, coming off an ankle injury, he'll be in a lot of those closing lineups. I could see Bones Highland at times in those closing lineups. Norman Powell in some of those closing lineups. You may not see Russ at times close games. That's a possibility. We saw him benched in fourth quarters at times by Coach Lou late last season. So I think starting things off, it'll be Russ in there, but he'll be the one that goes to the bench the quickest and be more with that second unit and being the focal point there running the show. Uh, But I'm interested to see, look, Kawhi, Paul George, James Harden, and I, I do want to see what he can do for Vita Zubats because he's so good with big men with the pick and roll and either dropping it off to them, step back or go to his own floater. Like he's so unbelievable what he did with Clint Capella and Zubats isn't that type of a rim runner, but he's also, he hasn't really played with a point guard exactly like this before. So I'm interested to see just how much he can unlock in their offense, especially in the half court when things slow down but still getting guys easy shots where they're open. That has sometimes been a struggle for the Clippers. It's just too much isolation ball. But with James, I expect him to break down the defense, get into the paint, and find the open man. You know, he's an otherworldly passer. He gets overlooked in that area. I know it's in vogue right now to say he led the league in assists last season, and he did. But I feel like because of him being called the dribbler on TNT and just being that that main hub on offense for so long with the Houston Rockets, people haven't watched enough because they didn't get a big enough sample size in Brooklyn or they just weren't paying attention enough in Philly, how good he is setting up players around him and how easy he can make the game for everyone. And I just want to see Kawhi and Paul George get to their spots. And that's, I think they've been the ones. It's not just Coach Lou who's won a point guard. I think they obviously have wanted a more traditional style point guard or just a guy who can have the ball in his hands so, what, so they don't have to do everything. So they, I, I want to see them focus more on defense. I want to see those two elite two-way players now. And it looks like they'll have to because they lost Rocco. They lost Batum. Marcus Morris wasn't playing. But those two are going to have to take up more nights than not the tougher assignments now because they have James Harden and the consolidation they did with their forwards. Kawhi and Paul George are going to be fully unleashed more on the defensive end just by having James Harden. So the last question that I want to ask as far as this, the James Harden part of it is concerned, because you're right. There's a, there's a regular season version of James Harden. That is one of the greatest, it's one of the greatest players of all time. And I think any of my questions about him have always revolved around the playoffs and it sounds for you that like the ceiling of this team like you 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 mentioned the championship the four SoCal guys winning it and how much of a dream come true that could potentially be but like James does have his resume like it's 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 unavoidable I guess the question I have is because I I do think they're all going to be here next year there could be wait and see but like what does it 
what would cause the eject button? Like it would have to go horribly bad. But like, does it have to be a championship? Is my question. Like, if they get to the conference finals and lose to the Nuggets, it's like, all right, right. you know what? We put this team together. Is then could you still see them running this team back? I think in that situation, it's like what happened with Phoenix last season. It wasn't just about that last year to win it with Kevin Durant. Right. It was a window of time, three or four years, where you have an opportunity to win. I think things would have to go so bad, it's almost unrealistic to talk about. Some may scoff at and say, but it's James Harden. He's a malcontent. He's a cancer. He's this. He's that. I look at things case by case basis with where he's been and how things have ended. And there's two sides to a story and it takes two to tango. And I just think the motivation is great for him to make it work with the Clippers because he wants to be home so badly and he wants to have a chance to win a ring. It's the perfect situation. And he's almost backed into a corner. It feels like his last opportunity to have something like this fall into his lap where he he gets a chance to be a star still, but also do it on a team contending where he doesn't, he isn't asked to do everything. You mentioned his playoff resume, like for as many bad moments he has had, you can really look at what happened last season in that second round series against the Boston Celtics. And it kind of exemplifies who he's been in the playoffs, a couple of 40 point games and some really bad games, a bad closeout game. But game one, he's the number one option because they don't have Embiid. By game seven, he's the number two option. He's going to be the number three option at best with Kawhi and Paul George, assuming they're healthy out there. Less is going to be asked of him. If you look at that first round series when the Brooklyn Nets were actually healthy in it with KD and and, uh, Kyrie against Boston, or I think they beat him in four or five games, James Harden averaged 26 a game on like close to 60% shooting or something like that. He was ridiculous. Then they had the hamstring injury with him. Kyrie's out in the next series against Brooklyn or against, uh, excuse me, the uh, Milwaukee Bucks. They end up losing in seven, but I see him as a great fit on a team that doesn't need him to do everything or be the one and two option in those critical situations in the playoffs. And by the way, for as many bad moments as he has had, 16 times in his career, he's averaged 25 or more in a playoff series. Like (laughs) he's been pretty dominant at times too. People forget, like there's no shame. Just like you mentioned in losing, if they lose to the Denver Nuggets in six or seven in the Western Conference finals and the Nuggets Mm -hmm. are just too good and there's no answer for Jokic, you still run it back. You try again. There's no shame in losing there. There was no shame when the Houston Rockets lost to the Golden State Warriors, maybe the best team of all time once they added Kevin Durant and they took him to seven games. I know they miss a ton of three-pointers, but there are eras where that Houston Rockets team doesn't just win the championship. They win multiple rings. They just happen to be slotted in that window where the best team ever assembled, I think, in the 73-win Golden State Warriors that add Kevin Durant were the ones taking them out. So this is where I'll push back just a little because those last two games, they were up 20 in both of those games. And then like James Harden himself couldn't get a bucket so that's it's why the resume i agree is not as flawed if you want to really look at it like there are some first and second round series this the probably his best playoff run to be honest is the one when he was the sixth man with the 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 thunder and it wasn't until the finals when spo zeroed in on him and said all right let's just take that away and force katie and russ to to beat you but right when um, he was really the catalyst for them, I think they were down 0-2 in the Western Conference Finals to the Spurs, and they mm-hmm. won four straight, and Harden was unbelievable right, to get them yeah. to the finals. 
So it's yeah. up and down. It's up and down. And against I, I hear what you're saying with that Houston team. They had chances to close the door. They couldn't. The Warriors are also amazing. And a 20 point lead against a team that can shoot that well isn't the same as anyone else. But also I'll go back to James Harden was the number one option on that team. He won't be on this Clippers team. So that creating that scenario where he's not the number one option is that the cause for confidence in Clipper Nation? Is that the not not the talking point because I I do think there's legitimacy to it, but the fact that he's not the guy coming here, he's one of the guys coming here. Is it leading to an optimistic feeling about all of this? Yeah, I, I do think it's a little bit divisive still in the fan base. Some Ooh. people are on a wait and see approach with James Harden. A lot of fans didn't want him. They found it polarizing. Uh, but I just referenced back to and a lot of those same fans didn't want Russell Westbrook and now they that, love him. That's what I was going to ask you. What was the split if you had to put a percentage on it of like wanted James, wanted didn't want James? And then if you want, do the same for us. I think it's probably 60-40 at worst. 60% okay. of people wanted James Harden or see the value of stacking talent like that when you have an injury-prone team like the Clippers have been. And as I mentioned, a brutal unforgiving schedule like they're having to go through. Because the thing I always bring up is outside of the 95 Houston Rockets, nobody else has won that hasn't been a top three seed in Man. the last 35 years. That's meaningful to me. And by the way, that team had won the championship the year before. I'm sorry and, to bring it up. And made a Clyde Drexler <laughs> trade midway through the season to help make them a championship yeah. contender again. Yeah. They had pedigree. Like nobody else has been able to figure out figure out how to win when you're not a top three seed in the league. So as much as people want to focus in on, oh, the regular season doesn't matter, just get us there healthy and we'll figure it out. It hasn't worked that way. So you have to navigate a tough regular season schedule to do so. You got to have enough talent to get it done when you know Kawhi and Paul George are going to be missing some games. I don't believe they've had a season where both of them have played 60 games for the Clippers so far. So that's the reality of the situation with just how unfortunate it's been with them being snake bit through injuries. And I think, look, tired legs, fatigue, as much as that new NBA report out there says, no, we have no information that tells you that load management actually helps. I've never heard a doctor say that, like, when you're fatigued, when you're hurting, there's less of a chance of injury. Mm -hmm. it, it, it seems to be that exacerbates things. I don't know. Kevin Durant dealing with the calf injury and then it tears his Achilles. Things like that seem to be related. So just less wear and tear on them during a long regular season may get them to play more games because they don't have to do as much or exert themselves as much offensively now with James Harden out there. Uh, I don't know, Adam. I think the NBA's doctors, I'm sure, looked into it with detail and totally weren't influenced by the fact that a new TV contract is right around the corner. Um, yeah. Exactly. I, listen, I, I think there's some variants that could happen with the Clippers. They could be in the play-in, you could tell me, and I'd be like, yeah, sound, sounds about right. Or they could be the two-seed. And like the, this team looks great. And I, I think that's what makes it the, the, the one of the more interesting teams to pay attention to the rest of the season, you know? Well, I felt like that at the beginning of the year without James Harden. And everybody, the media seemed to have them slotted in this second tier contender role where it was the Lakers, the Nuggets, the Phoenix Suns, and then behind them, the Golden State Warriors, the Clippers, the Dallas Mavericks, even who are off to a great start. Uh, teams like that, the Pelicans, if they could stay healthy, they, they weren't looked at as a serious contender. I think a lot of it is just 
people don't want to buy in again because they keep getting hurt because the last three seasons, they haven't been able to finish off a year that's where me. both their stars are healthy. Yeah. yeah. And that, and that's fair. It's a fact. They haven't been able to the last two years, both Kawhi and Paul George haven't been there in their final game of the season. That's hard. That's tough to overcome. Now, luck and injury luck has always played a role with championships to some degree. Uh, it seems to be <laughs> more prevalent these days, the last 10 years. But, you know, stack as much talent as you can, cross your fingers, as Steve Ballmer said, and hope for the best. And I think Coach Lou is the one guy who can get this all to work and mesh out there, even though there's only just one ball. Yeah. And uh, that's, I think, uh, an important point that you're making that the next the fact that you have the right guy in charge to try and make this happen. That's had quote unquote super teams that he's had to figure out the right um, schedule and the right uh, not, well, schedule, I guess will dictate itself, but the right um, offense and, and the right way for all of them to play together. Uh, again, the, I have him now capped in the top five of the West and who knows, like a game or two here or there, they could get to two or three. I do think for me personally, they now join the top five solidly and then it's just pick a team for the six. I would have OKC. I know some of Dallas, like you said, like Sacramento just lost Fox for a little bit. So maybe not them, but um, yeah. I mean, Memphis, Memphis takes a big step back this season. Obviously Memphis does, but <laughs> the funny thing is, and I don't know if you see it this, I, I, I mean, curious if you see it this way, I was talking to, so the Knicks just played the Pelicans and I was talking to Mason Ginsburg about them. And like, I can't argue with how that team's been built. You know, like I think there actually is, a competent way that they've been built. The problem is that their star can't stay on the court. It's like the ability actually is there. It's availability. That's been the problem. And it's oh, completely, but so like that it's a frustrating thing to evaluate because it's like, what should they have done differently? It's like, I don't know, pray for injuries not to happen. Do you feel some of that where this team's actually been built correctly? It's just been tough to really evaluate whether this is a failure or a wait and see because of the injuries that have happened. Yeah. And even the Clippers themselves, coach Lou has mentioned this the last three seasons when he's been the head coach, he's been frustrated just that we don't even know for sure where some of our flaws could be because we haven't gotten a full playoff run out of these guys. Right. On one hand, Coach Lou will point out, look, they've never lost a series when they had both their guys under him available. But the problem is that availability. And you don't know exactly where some of the holes could be because both of them haven't been around. They've only won three playoff series as a tandem so far because they just haven't been able to stay healthy. I mean, you hope, you know, Kawhi Leonard, second year now off an ACL. He looks great. Paul George looks phenomenal to start off this season when we thought it might have been a catastrophic knee injury against the OKC Thunder with the way it bent, uh, I believe, back in March last yeah. season. It, it's been fluky stuff and then other stuff that you say, yeah, that they've had a track record. These guys have been injury prone. Nobody thought it would be to this degree, though, as Clippers. You knew coming in, Kawhi was load managed during that season. They won with the Toronto Raptors. Hey, it looked like it worked. <laughs> he played 60 games during the regular season, and he was limping around at times in the playoffs, and it still ended up working, and he was able to play through it. So yeah, they're trying. They're doing everything they can. But it's been unbelievable bad luck so far. And you just hope with more talent, 
it kind of widens your margin for error. For instance, if one of those guys went down in a playoff series and you still had Russ and James Harden, you'd still have a chance to win depending on the opponent. I mean, last season without Paul George, we all thought they're winning this series if Kawhi just doesn't get hurt with the way he was punking KD the first two games of the series. Like He obviously looked like the best player on the court. So there is hope that these guys can be insurance, or James Harden can certainly be insurance for the two-one-three connection. Well, I guess we'll see what happens. The Knicks next play the Clippers in December, uh, December sixteenth, to be exact. And I'm curious what the team looks like at that point, and whether things have. I don't think things that will. There's no version of this team I think where it goes terribly wrong. I guess the injuries are the only way that could play. But I'm really, I'm really curious to see what this team looks like over the next couple months. What's up, Knicks fans? Quick break to tell you about AG1. Going into this season, I decided it was time to make a change. My digestion didn't feel its best. I felt sluggish, stressed, didn't feel as focused, and knew I needed to do something different. So I decided to give AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, a boost in energy, and I hated taking pills or vitamins. Well, when I started drinking AG1 daily, not only could I see a difference in my daily health, but I finally had energy and noticed how much more relaxed and focused I was. That's because AG1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, such as gut optimization, stress management, and immune support. Since 2010, AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to evaluate your baseline health. Fun fact, I recommended AG1 to all my friends, family, and Mrs. Claudio. We drink AG1 first thing in the morning to make sure we have the energy needed to take on a busy day. There's no debate, AG1 AG1 is the supplement I trust to provide the support my body needs daily. If you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash filmschool. That's drink. That's drinkag1.com slash filmschool. Check it out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Two things before I let you get out of here. Uh, I sent this to you, the Mount Rushmore of Clipper Rivals. What I've been asking my uh, guests on this pod and and trying to get their perspective because here in New York, like we have our our dates we circle on the calendar and those games that you look forward to. And I'm curious what 
those games are for our our opponent as well. And whether I don't, there's no Knicks Clipper rivalry, so it's clearly not the Knicks on there. And I owe, I also obviously know one of them and play in the same building for one more year as the Clippers. Well, the other side of that fan base would say that there's no rivalry here. What are you really? talking about? Oh, the okay. Lakers would never admit to it. Okay. No. I mean, have you ever said that with the Brooklyn Nets or with the so, New Jersey Nets where you felt like there was no rivalry? So it's funny you say that. I the Nets aren't on the schedule like a, a date I circle in the sense that I think there's a rivalry like it's but it's not because like the Nets haven't been relevant in my life like there there's the attempt because of Mets Yankees and like the Jets and Giants played last week and a lot of the fans are the same I think it, what I've said to people is like it's because I've never met a Nets fan in real life I guarantee if I had done that I that would have happened but you know, like uh, doing these pods in the past, I've I've like I've gotten to know f- from the Internet. But because I have like close friends that are Giants fans that were ready to make my life hell last week, if the Giants had won <laughs> without a quarterback, you know, and then there's a hockey element to this, too, where I'm a Rangers fan and the Rangers and Islanders are in the same division. So there could be that if there's an Islander Nets fan that exists. I just I just don't personally know that I'm assuming you have some Laker fans in your life. And as a result, the, the rivalry is much more vocal. So, so what's the Mount Rushmore outside of the Lakers? Okay. Outside of the Lakers who the Clippers had just beaten 11 straight times and 36 of the last 43 times before they mm-hmm. lost to them last week in overtime in a game where they still didn't have James Harden or Terrence Mann. Sorry, just to get all that out. Disclaimer. Like you had that memorized. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll say, I think the Phoenix Suns are a rival just because they're the only team that's beaten the Clippers now three times in the playoffs. And Clippers fans feel like in two of them, they were the better team. They just didn't have Kawhi Leonard in the Western Conference Finals in 2021. And then last season, they ended up without Kawhi and Paul George against the Phoenix Suns. Uh, And then they played them back in 06 with Elton Brand in the second round and lost to him in seven games. So there's some history there. Speaking of 2021, the other rival would be whoever Joe Ingles plays for because he was involved when Kawhi Leonard took that step that tore his ACL in the second round against the Utah Jazz. So he gets booed uh, often, heard it the other night when the Clippers were taking on the Orlando Magic. Now Joe Ingles is there. People don't like him. They haven't forgotten that. They always say if they could rewind and rewrite any part of their history, it would just be that play with Kawhi Leonard. Because there was a shot missed on the other end, I want to say, by Donovan Mitchell in a game where the Clippers were up by 15 in game four. Like If he just makes that shot, it's different because Kawhi got it, got into transition quickly. They had numbers. So that's that's a big what if for Clipper Nation. Uh, The other one... Wow. There's a couple to choose from, but I might say, because I think this was actually for a very brief amount of time, the best rivalry in the NBA. And it was Clippers versus Memphis Grizzlies. Those two first round series they had in Mm -hmm. 2012 and 2011, where the Clippers won the first time around in seven games and came back down, I think, 28 in game one on Memphis and then beat them on their home court. In seven, that was huge. And then the next season, Blake gets hurt. Clippers are up 2-0, and I think Memphis won the next four games. But they were tough 
physical because it was the grit and grind Memphis Grizzlies going against the Clippers. They were a physical series, physical brand of basketball, and there wasn't a lot else going on at that time. We had yet to get Golden State versus LeBron or the Miami Heat versus the San Antonio Spurs. You know, mm-hmm. it was kind of a dead spot. The Lakers had played Boston the year before, so that was a big time rivalry, but that was pretty much the end of the Lakers by 2011. Uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to put Memphis in there. I may be forgetting somebody, but that that's what I'm going with. Mount Rushmore rivals for the Clippers. So where is Joe Ingles now? Orlando. Orlando. <laughs> so the Orlando magic for right now, get, get on the rep Mount Rushmore until he goes to another team. Well, also when he's beating the Lakers, like he did yesterday, I'm sure Clippers fans were fine oh, they, with that. They're okay with that. So <laughs> it's a, it's a, a Mount Rushmore with an asterisk. So, gotcha. Yeah. Just when we're playing Joe Ingles. Yeah. Yeah. So last question before we get out of here, um, it's more of where I turn it over to you and ask you your thoughts on the Knicks. And if you have any questions about them going into this. Season. Okay. I like it. So I'm going to go with this. How are you guys 29th in offense right now? <laughs> Man. It got worse after the last game against Milwaukee. So here's the craziest part. If you go to, I don't know how much stock you put in like shot quality and the grades that they give out. And yeah. like, I'm a, I'm big on, cause you mentioned the frustration with isolation offense. The Knicks are heavy isolation and it's part of their fabric. They don't have a ton of good passers. doesn't matter. I think there should be more off ball movement. I think there should be more passing. I agree with the, the outcries, but like third and offense is third and offense. So there's a stat that people that hear the regular weekly Monday pod that's coming out right before this will hear, but they are second in the NBA in open threes attempted. Mm. They they were only state. They've t- attempted 85 open threes this season. Only team better than them is the Warriors, the golden standard for running an offense, right? And you know what their percentage is on open threes, which is four to six feet away from the Mm -hmm. closest defender. They are last in the NBA on open threes at the moment. And it's 24.7%. They're just not hitting shots. So there's some fluky shot variants going on right now. They're getting quality looks. They might be regret. Like, so they might be like the 10th or 11th best shot quality right now. I think their shot quality record is four and two, but they're two and four because nobody's hitting shots at the moment. That scares me. That yeah. scares me. That tells me they're due. They're going to progress to the mean, and it's going to happen against the Clippers on Monday. <laughs> Listen, we just, I just did a pod with uh, Ty Windish of uh, the Eurostep who covers the Bucks, and he said, like, hey, we're 29th in defense. This is the game that it's going to fix. And then nine for 39 later, the Knicks still have not fixed their shot making yet. Um, there is a Julius Randle thing going on right now too. where talk to me, talk to me. He's averaging 13 and 10. I heard he looks much slower. People are blaming Tibbs for wearing him down and he's 28, but he's really 33. That's, (laughs) that's funny. First of all, and he did just have ankle surgery this off season. And from talking to some people that are in the know and like are close to the team, not a lot of stock from the fan base, at least has been put in the fact that he was cleared for five on five, like in training camp. And he just doesn't have his legs underneath him yet. And normally, like if a guy was struggling after ankle surgery, six games into the season, it's like, all right, like he's made all NBA. He's made an all a couple all-star teams. Like you give him some time, more than six games, right? This man has no benefit of our credibility with this fan base whatsoever. It's the weirdest relationship I've seen with an all-star. I'm like a Carmelo Anthony guy and he never got this. He had his detractors, 
But man, like what? Ju- now, granted, Julius is splits right now this season. Oh, I just uh, looked. Oh, like, twenty-seven percent from, from the, the field. field yes. <laughs> then it's twenty-seven. Let me guess. It's twenty-seven, twenty-two from three, and sixty-one from the line, which is a, a thirty-one point eight effective field goal percentage. Exactly. Yeah. Right on with those numbers on shooting splits. So, like, that's how bad it's been. Like, because that's, and that's the thing that, about the Knicks right now. Like, I can talk about the shooting variance and how they're not hitting shots. I could talk about how Josh Hart is having worse of a season than Julius Randle, but he's doubling some of the little things on defense that nobody cares about. I could talk about some Tibbs decisions here and there, like, didn't put Emmanuel quickly in a game down the stretch for Josh Hart. I can, do like all of us have our little quibbles that cause small margins to vary, and we're like, okay, this, yeah, but Julius, like everything is followed. It all yeah, points but, back to Julius. All, yeah, but Julius, like J- Jalen Brunson got off to a tough start. Ah, oh, he's got to start making shots. Yeah, but Julius, like J- Dante DiVincenzo is like horrific at the rim at the moment. Yeah, but Julius, the Knicks aren't throwing enough lobs to Mitchell Robinson. Yeah, but Julius, like that's the common thread with this team right now. And I think there's a regression to the mean coming. This fan base was already like ready to turn on him. And it took, I really think it took four games and now we're up to game six. Does this all stem from, this is interesting. I like talking about somebody else's team. Does this all stem from him having that really good year two years ago and then petering out in the playoffs and then seeing like the limitations of his game. So that's where, that's literally where it starts. Cause he was, a hero for yeah. 72 regular season games when we're all stuck inside and we still decide to be allowed to come outside. Then that Hawk series happened and we were ready to talk shit about Trey young and Julius shot like 25% from the field in five games. And it was like, all right, like we saw what playoff Julius looks like one of the worst high volume three playoff shoot playoff players ever. Then the next season happens and he's awful and he's doing the thumbs down to the fans at one point in the season. They went and got him a point guard and Jalen Brunson. Julius is better than he was two years earlier. Hurts his ankle before the playoffs. Never got his leg back from legs back under him and performed just as bad as he did against the Hawks two years earlier. Now that version of Julius has continued into this season. And so there's there's just no credit. Like, like he does not have like a leash with this fan base, which is a horrible way to frame a, a basketball player. But there's no like, no. oh, we got you. Like, take your time and work no, your way back. It's no like, goodwill Get built out of up. my life forever. I'm in. Jo- I'm already putting you in trade machine packages. Uh, OK, is any of this compounded by the fact of what we're seeing with Obi Toppin with Indiana? <laughs> well, so what are we seeing with Obi? He's starting and not finishing. Oh, is that true? I, yeah. I just I've seen some big highlights, and I'm just wondering how Knicks that's fans have felt Obi, about though. it. But that so that's Obi though. He's a highlight machine. He's not like there are still things he does wrong that coaches then turn to other players that do right. And he's averaging around 21 minutes a game. He's averaging the exact same splits when he was with the Knicks, and they're closing with Aaron Nismith. So, so I it's think just he's style over substance. There, the Obi positive plays are so loud and in your face that it's like, Oh, we'll put this on sports center. The Julius Randall. Good plays are a difficult fadeaway that he probably should have passed two open guys. But if it goes in, it's like, Oh, okay. You're a tough shot maker, which, you know, it's less sexy than a through the legs dunk that, that OB is famous for on a leak out, you know? What are expectations for the Knicks this season after getting to the second round last year and just punking the uh, Cleveland Cavaliers in the first round, which is something I did not see coming. Listen, 
some of us didn't. Some of us did. I will say that. I was like, it was really more 50-50 split, but there was like a nervous confidence with some Knicks fans. There's there's one on our staff. His name's Mensa. Pick the Knicks in five. And he's been able to just like live off that forever, like in this town. And it's like, oh, listen, you said Knicks in five. Whatever you say is probably going to be right. You know, you got to carry him around like Cleopatra. Listen, like if Mensa <laughs> said it, so I, you're probably right. Um, I think for me, Get to the second round. The rest is gravy. The East has some juggernauts at the top. It was nice to see how they've played against the two juggernauts so far. They lost a game. They probably could have won against the Celtics. They lost a game. They probably could have won in Milwaukee. You had the lead with under a minute left. Seeing how... And like the, the other team in the East, the Cavs, like while they weren't healthy, they did split with them in their, their home and home. So you've actually gotten to see what the how they measure up against these teams, man, because the top of their roster involves Julius Randle at the moment, and we'll see what Julius turns into throughout the season as he gets healthier and into game shape. Um, maybe the ceiling changes. I think for me personally, the ceiling's the second round. I could see them losing in the first round, and then they go star hunting this offseason. Okay, one, one more for you. Yeah, I'm go ahead. Very, I'm very curious about the Knicks side of things here. Go ahead. Uh, do you guys just expect Jalen Brunson to put together the same season he had last year? Or do you see, okay, some of this, uh, just give us 85% of what you did last season. Because some of it may not be repeatable because he was just so darn good. So, regression that isn't... I can't believe it. It's yeah, but Julius, and this is, is my answer to the question. Like <laughs> as long as he isn't what Julius was year one to year two or year three to this, I think like he got off to a tough start. His shooting splits were kind of awful inside the arc. He just wasn't hitting the, the floaters that he became so famous for. All of his twos were good. He had one game where he hit eight threes and then had a couple goose eggs in, in the others. And so, like, he he just has to not be... like He could be 85%, probably 75%. As long as he's not the 50% that Julius was in year two compared to year one under Tibbs, I think all is forgiven. There's also the New York Knicks relationship to point guards, New York Knicks fans' relationship to point guards. It's Jalen Brunson, long gap. Jeremy Lin, long gap. Like... Charlie Ward and Derek Harper, which is like your fourth or fifth best player at best. Mark Jackson for one rookie of the year season. Long gap Clyde Frazier. And like they just have not had great point guards. So getting Jalen Brunson here, it's like, oh my God, we got one. We finally got one, guys. Like there is a Nick that is good and plays the point guard position. So that's yeah, well, like there's a want to talk about the opposite of Julius. Like he has so much credibility. Oh, don't worry, Jalen, you'll be fine. Yeah, you know. I get it. And I mean, Penny for like a second played point guard in that one series in the first that one. <laughs> he wasn't even like the point guard because they had Marbury, right? So it was like a well, collection of teams, you know, get Marbury off the point, get him off guard, yeah, get Penny with that, the basketball, but he wasn't the same. That first Isaiah Thomas roster that was assembled mm. mid season where it was, it was literally Francis. like it was, so was Francis, Francis in that was two years later. And like there, there's a stretch in the mid 2000s. We're just like, like Tracy McGrady played for the Knicks. Jalen Rose played for the Knicks. Like if you were an all-star at one point, you probably have a Knicks jersey that's retro out there, you know? So what was McDice? Was that 2000 or 99? That or? was 02. And it was a mm. draft night trade. 
that they traded Marcus Camby, Nene Hilario, and I forget who the third player was, but they traded for McDice and he hurt his knee in the preseason and played like under yeah. eight, under 50 games for the Knicks total. It, so, it's it's been but that's like another name, like a mid 2000s all star that played for the Knicks. And then I, I remember yeah. that Isaiah Thomas quote where he was like, I thought we were getting healthy Allen Houston mm-hmm. next to Marbury, next to Steve Francis. First of all, I still don't know how well that would work, even if they were all fine. But Allen Houston was a stud before his knee injury and microfracture. It would work well today. Like, you know, like Allen Houston, his shooting ability today, but not in an era where your four is would be like Mitchell Robinson would be playing the four back then, you know, yeah. like a 6'10 yeah. guy that is like an offensive rebound machine. So. Different time. Yeah, different time indeed. <laughs> different um, time, same Knicks. No, I, you guys listen, are different. You're pointing in the right now. direction. Exactly. There's the, like there's a ceiling right now, but like I remember when the floor was even lower and the floor oh. is so is higher than I think it's ever been, at least in my lifetime since the let me rephrase that. The floor is as high as it's been since the 90s. I mean, you guys have an identity now, like defense, rebounding, t- some tough shot makers out there. So I'm I'm not feeling great about the Clippers playing their first game with James Harden against this Knicks team that knows themselves. That will make a lot of Knicks fans happy, but also make them laugh because you think the clip, you want to talk about a get right game. You want to know there's no better team to get right than a team that's probably going to shoot under 30% from three. And, you know, they'll get a ton of extra chances because they lead the world in offensive rebounds. But, you know. Maybe I'm trying to ingratiate myself to New York a little too much here. <laughs> well, listen, as a this is the only baseball reference I'll make because Met- Knicks fans are tired of me mentioning baseball. As a Mets fan who re- understands what it's like, as Ugh. a Jets fan who to an extent understands what it's like, um, I empathize with the Clipper experience. And there's a part of me that's rooting for them this season. I, I, I like seeing teams that haven't won yet actually overcome that hurdle and reach the mountain. So hey. I won't be like, I'll be, I'll be like, oh no, the Clippers won the title. Like, there's a lot of people that haven't seen that before. I, that'd be awesome to see. And I think the Clippers have love for the Knicks. There's nothing there. There's no past history. There's no incident. So, there's no Emmanuel quickly stuff there because the, the pick that they got for, uh, for Marcus Morris became quickly. I mean, all that stuff is just. Or Hartenstein. The, the, you know? Clippers fans would say we wouldn't have drafted him anyways. Like we uh, would, <laughs> we wouldn't have got him anyways. We haven't drafted well outside of SGA. They just they hate on the front office and then uh, missing okay. on picks. When everybody misses on picks and you have less than a fifty percent chance a guy is actually going to play out and have a long career, it's just hard. Mm-hmm. But everybody's fan base thinks their front office is the one that sucks at drafting. Usually, well, it's like no, they all do. It's hard. <laughs> it's a fifty fit. Listen, I preach it to the choir here. Um, I've been very much team the draft is a crapshoot for a while. I do recognize the value of draft picks. Oh, yeah. I also like I like when good basketball players are automatically on your team if you trade for them. So uh, this is a whole other conversation we get and get into sure. another day. Uh, Adam, you've been great with your time. Thank you for joining me. Um, before you get out of here, tell everybody where they can find you and your incredibly named podcast uh at clippers pod on twitter is where mm-hmm. you can find clips and dip or on x on youtube it's at clippers podcast and you can also find me at follow out of may on x or at fna show is another podcast i've been doing for years we talk a lot of nba there too uh but at follow out of may please and uh i've been following you since i came on last season and it's been a mm-hmm. good follow I, I try to keep up with what's happening in new york i i saw that tweet when the 
Jets beat the Giants. The good guys won. Yes. <laughs> Touchdown, good guys, baby. Uh, Adam, thanks as always, my man. All right. Thanks for having me. Once again, a big thank you to Adam for coming on today's show to help me preview this matchup against the Clippers. I really hope the Knicks win tonight. Like, go ahead, give the KFS bump over to Clips and Dip. They do a great show over there. Um, your five star review can be I really hope the Knicks win tonight. I do not need this team to fall to two and five. Really rooting for Julius Randle to turn it around. It would never happen what Mike Vaccaro suggested. But my goodness, what I don't even know if it would work, but the PR that this city and this fan base would get if they came out and started chanting Julius Randle in the first half or during, during warmups and then during the starting lineups, uh, it'll never happen. I, I know this fan base too well. It'll never happen. We would rather like put the word trade in front of the chant, a chant, but um, you know, uh, Julius, you're never going to hear this, but I'm rooting for you because I'd like to, Watch the Knicks win a basketball game. Uh, I'm also rooting for RJ Barrett. I hope he's back in this game. The most recent report, if you haven't heard, is that he uh, went through practices and is expected to play on Monday. So hopefully having RJ Barrett back helps. Um, and hopefully at least to a Knicks victory. Uh, that'll do it for me, at least for this preview. If you dig the show, head over to iTunes, drop a five-star rating and a review. I'll be back on Wednesday morning with a preview of the sensational Victor Wimbanyama and the San Antonio Spurs. But until then, thank you for listening. Enjoy the game tonight. Let's go Knicks. And I'll speak with you soon. Peace. <laughs>